when Austin <coughs> asked the kids, he said, what have you all been noticing when you've been driving around? I saw Cameron's head perk up back there like, what kid's driving? <laughs> like, I'm going to be sitting out here in the parking lot watching for these kids driving down in Cecilia. Well, you know, hey, I grew up on a farm. We drove when we were like 10 years old. Amen. But, but anyway, church, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I pray that you have your Bibles with you this morning. If not, there's one there in front of you in your pew. I want you to go ahead and open it up. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 8 through 9 this morning. That's our text. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. You can see the title of the sermon this morning. This is something that every single one of us need. Resist the what? Resist the enemy. Resist the enemy. You know, last Sunday... I asked the congregation if you were here last Sunday, if you, if you weren't here last Sunday, you can go back and watch it on our, on our website or on our YouTube channel, the sermon. But I asked the congregation last Sunday, I said, is it God's will for you to know Satan and what he desires? And I believe at the end of that sermon, all of us said absolutely, amen. Is it God's will for you to know Satan and what he desires. And so we talked about some of the names of Satan, the Bible list from tempter, ruler of demons, Beelzebub, the evil one, enemy, father of lies, murderer, ruler of this world, God of this age, prince of the power of the air, adversary, deceiver of the world, and the devil. And so we examined some words from Jesus about Satan. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. We examined some words from Peter that says, your adversary, the devil, which we're going to look at again this morning, prowls around looking uh, like, a, like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And so I shared with you all last Sunday five ways that Satan and his armies will attack you as a Christian. And hopefully you guys can recall these. We talked about that Satan will attack you mentally, that he will attack you relationally, he will attack you socially, he will attack you intentionally, and he will also attack you spiritually. But I also told you there was a part two of this sermon. Because I believe it's God's will that we not only know Satan and to be aware of his schemes, but I also believe God has equipped us to be able to resist Satan and his schemes with the help of the Lord. Amen. So look at your text, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. We talked about some of this last Sunday. It says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But look at verse 9, just the first part of verse 9. But resist him and be firm in your faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you this morning for our small groups. Lord, as we continue to, to grow and, and learn, we thank you for that time of fellowship we have with one another. Father, we thank you for worship this morning. Thank you for our music, Lord, the ones that play instruments, the ones that sing. Lord, it's, it's, it's amazing to see how you have blessed us in this aspect. And God, as they have prepared our hearts this morning, we thank you for us being able to give our tithes and our offerings to you, Lord. Thank you for those blessings, God, that you give us. Because, Lord, we, we know or we should know that everything that we have, Lord, it's a blessing from you. 
And so, God, as we come to this moment to hear your word spoken this morning, Father, I pray that the congregation doesn't hear me, but, Lord, that they hear you. Open up our hearts, open up our ears this morning, God, because this is something that every single one of us need to know personally in our families, in our home, in our church. Father, we need to know how to be able to resist the enemy. Father, we love you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. You know, I I had a lot of superheroes growing up in the 80s, as the child of the 80s. And my superheroes, they, they also had their main enemy, right, per se. And so Superman had Lex Luthor, Batman had the Joker, Spider-Man had the Green Goblin. Now, if, if you know cartoons and you know superheroes and you know how all of this stuff worked, the superheroes did not always rely on brute strength, but they also many times they would outsmart their adversary, especially Batman, since he really didn't have any super powers per se. So my question to us this morning, I want to see kind of too how how we respond to this question. How can we outsmart the devil? Have you ever really thought about this? How can you outsmart the devil? I'm going to give you something else to think about. See, I don't think we can outsmart the devil. And I'm going to tell you why. The devil has been roaming this earth since mankind was first created. Think about this. Satan has experienced history as we know it. He tempted the first humans in the Garden of Eden, and he hasn't stopped since then, has he, church? Satan has seen the rise and the fall of world powers throughout history. He witnessed the rise of the Egyptians, the Shang Dynasty in China, the Israelites, the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Alexandrian Empire, the Roman Empire, and every empire that has risen and everyone that has fallen. He has seen theories and philosophies rise and fall. He has witnessed the Protestant Reformation, human wars throughout the century, the invention of the will, electricity, the Great Depression, the car, TVs, phones, the centuries that he has been uh, that he has seen with his own eyes, the invention of the will, electricity, all of these things, airplanes, computers, the internet, social media. So how in the world do we outsmart someone that has been tempting people since the day of mankind's creation that possesses a vast amount of knowledge and skill? Have you ever really thought about this? This is who he is. He has seen everything. So here's what I believe. It's not about outsmarting the devil. Because if that's your case and if that's my case, can I tell you something this morning? We're going to come up way short. You and I are going to come up way short. See, I believe it's about being obedient unto God. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, I believe that you and I can be prepared for spiritual battle. You know, there's an old quote, old, old, old saying, and I, I remember it even when I was a kid growing up. Ben Franklin once said, in this world, nothing can be said to certain except what? Death and taxes. 
But I might add a third to it. I might add a third to it. You will experience spiritual warfare. You're going to experience it. Many of you right now are right in the middle of it. And if you're not in the middle of it, can I tell you something? You're going to be. You're going to be. Because the Bible tells us there's a war. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that there is a spiritual war that is going on. And our battle is not amongst each other, but our battle is against evilness. It's against the darkness. So this morning, I'm going to share with you seven ways that I believe the Bible instructs us how we can resist the devil and how we can overcome his sinful scheme. So I pray that you got your outline with you this morning as we write this stuff in. Number one is this, resist the enemy by being morally alert. Now, did you catch this? I didn't just say by being alert, because everyone in here this morning, if you're not asleep, you are you are alert, but if you notice, I put a word in front of alert, and it says what? Morally alert. Peter tells the scattered Christians within our text, he says, be of sober spirit. He says, be on the alert. So basically, Peter is telling his brothers and sisters in Christ, he's saying, listen, stay vigilant. Stay alert because the devil is prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Let me ask you all this. If someone dropped you off in the middle of Africa, in lion country, and all you had to defend yourself was your mental alertness, what would you do? See, this we know. We're going to stay alert to our visual surroundings. And can I tell you something this morning? This is the same about Satan. See, Satan, he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. Him and his demonic forces are always prowling around looking for someone to devour, whether if that's through temptation, whether if that is through persecution, whether that is through fear, disappointment, or even discouragement. This is what he does. And let me ask us this. What happens when we're not morally alert? I bet we have a lot of different answers to this question. What happens when you and I are not morally alert? Well, when we're not morally alert, Satan and his forces have a way of creeping into our homes. They have a way of creeping into our activities, into our hobbies, into our interests, and even into our finances. Talked about that in Sunday school this morning a little bit, didn't we, Rodney? And then this happens. Ready? Where Christ used to be our hope. And used to be our joy, our hope, and our joy in Jesus is replaced by worldly hope and joy. That's what happens when you and I are not morally alert in this life. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you need to close your doors and become a hermit. Church, that's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is this. Be aware of your surroundings and don't let your guard down to the schemes of the devil. That is what I'm trying to get us to understand. So to resist the enemy, the Bible says we must stay morally alert. And can I tell you something real quickly? And I'm not going to chase this rabbit down the hole. What was sin 50 years ago? It's still sin today. 
What was sin 100 years ago, it's still sin today. It doesn't change. You don't get to decide it. I don't get to decide it. God already decided it. And he put it in the book for us to know, for us to read, and for us to adapt our lives to Jesus Christ. We've been talking about this on Wednesday night of experiencing God in our Bible study. When Jesus comes into your life, your life has to change. We have to adapt our life to Jesus. This is what we do. Number two is this, resist the enemy by standing firm in your faith. By standing firm in your faith. There was a moment in the life of Peter when he did not stand firm in his faith. I bet many of you all can recall this story. You guys remember when Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed? How many of you all remember that story, right? And guess what happened? Jesus was right. And Peter did not stand firm in his faith because of his, his fear. So if anyone knew what it meant to be weak and now strong in one's faith, it was Peter, the author of the scripture that we are reading this morning. The Apostle Paul once said these words. You all hear it so many times at funerals, graveside funerals. He said these words, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So brothers and sisters, if we're going to resist the devil by standing firm in our faith, then we must actively live what we believe and trust in God to care for us, to sustain us, and to reward us with our heavenly reward. So the question is, how do we do that, Pastor? Well, this leads into number three. We have to resist the enemy by keeping our mind on the things above. Now, this is going to resonate with every single one of us in here this morning because some of you already, your minds are not here. They're not here. You're here, but your minds are not here. You're thinking about lunch. You're thinking about NFL. You're thinking about all kinds of different things that's going on in your life. And this is one of the obstacles that we have to overcome when it comes to preaching on Sunday morning. Your minds are, this is, we're people. And so it's hard for us to, to set and to listen for more than 10 or 15 minutes at a time. But you know what I've come to the conclusion? We hear what we want to hear. We experience what we want to experience. We can sit at a Taylor Swift concert for four and a half hours and be just as vibrant going in and leaving as we did as we got there. We can go to a football game and cheer and yell and lose our voice, basketball, whatever it is. We choose to interact with what we want to interact with. Romans 12, 2, the Bible says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this earth. Listen to this story. Overcoming locked gates, tall fences, and snapping dogs present a real challenge for reader meters in the state of Oklahoma, where they are required to read all meters, no estimates are allowed. One time, a co-worker succeeded in getting past a particularly vicious watchdog tied to a chain that was so long, it gave him sway over the entire backyard and driveway. Later, the man was questioned, the meter reader, by a superior. He said, how were you able to get past 
that watchdog. The customer is curious. Well, that was easy, boss, the meter, meter reader replied. I just parked on his chain. <laughs> y'all remember that if y'all are meter readers in here, amen? All right. If you're delivering mail, I'd say that even applies to you. Bless your heart. When God created us, he gave us a what? He gave us a brain to think, to solve problems, to evaluate. But when our brains get stuck, how many of y'all have ever felt like your brain is just stuck? Come on. When your brain, think about it, when your brain gets stuck, when our brain is so infatuated on the, on the manufactured happiness that this world brings from a society that Satan has produced and is producing, sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. This is just a fact. So I think we have to stop and ask ourselves as a Christian, whose kingdom am I worried about building? Am I worried about building my kingdom or am I worried about building God's kingdom? We have to ask ourselves this question in this world. Sometimes we just need to stop. Sometimes we need to think. And sometimes we need to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, where is my mindset and who is influencing my mind? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever been real honest with yourself? And, and, and I, don't, I know this is a hard question to deal with. But have you ever been just honest with yourself and you do a self-spiritual evaluation of your life and you look at all of the things that are affecting your thought, your actions, and just say, listen, I need to look at myself in the mirror. What, who's affecting my life? Is it God? Is it God's will? Is it what God wants for me and my family? Or is this world and everything that I see, everything that I hear, everything that I experience, is that what's affecting me the most? Think about it, church. Our brains get stuck a lot of times when our mind is on the worldly things and not on the things of above. This is what happens. Number four, resist the enemy through prayer. Resist the enemy through prayer. I believe most Christians would probably tell you that there's power in prayer. Amen? How many of you all believe this morning that there's power in prayer? Amen? Y'all just voted on something, by the way. Did, did y'all get that? Who's, make sure everybody got that vote in. I think every, every one of us that, that's a Christian, we believe there's power in prayer. Because can, can I tell you something? If you're a Christian, more than likely somebody prayed before, for you before you ever came to know Jesus. Amen? I believe in the power of prayer. See, prayer is it's our open communication with God. So when we pray, we enter into a conversation with the Lord. We bring to Him our concerns. We bring to Him our fears. We bring to Him our worries, our anxiety, our problems, our struggles. And we even bring our praise into the Creator of the world. And through prayer, we, we cry out to God to strengthen us for the spiritual battle that we find ourselves in daily. Matter of fact, Jesus taught the disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6 about this spiritual battle that you and I are in, that are raging war in this world. Jesus said, pray like this, and Father, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from, from evil. Now, now, church, people take this prayer, and, 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 and you've got to make sure you understand, God doesn't tempt you to sin. That's not what that's meaning. 
God does not tempt you to sin. God does not tempt you to evilness. But that doesn't mean that God will keep us from the attraction of sinfulness and all the schemes of the devil. That's not what that means. But within this prayer, the words deliver us from evil. It reveals our need and our desire for God to lead us what? Away. To lead us away. When's the last time? I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You ready? Now, for some of us, maybe it's been a while since you've been in church. For some of you, maybe you haven't missed a day of church in years. When's the last time you came to the altar and prayed? Maybe some of you are thinking, well, Brother Donnie, you're giving me a guilt trip this morning. It's not what this is about. I'm just asking you a question. The problem we have today in our church is we believe this is some type of platform that's supposed to raise me up and raise Billy up and raise this choir up. And can I tell you, that's exactly false. This stage is for prayer. And what else happens on it is all used to the glory of God to encourage you. When's the last time you come up and pray with your family? When's the last time you went to the Lord in prayer and you said, Father, I'm struggling with temptation. I'm struggling with lust. Father, Lord, I'm struggling to make the right decisions. I'm struggling with materialism. I'm struggling because of my fleshly desires. I'm struggling with making bad decisions, Lord, that I know that's not in your will. I, I told my oldest son, he may not remember this conversation, but it, it happened in the last couple of weeks. I, I told Noah, I said, Noah, I said, there's never a wrong day to do the right thing. There's never a wrong day to do the right thing. Sometimes we need to pray for strength to do the right things. Number five is this. Resist the enemy through the word. That's this Bible thing. Amen. That, that's, this, that's this thing right here. It's the word of God. Now, some of you all, maybe you have it on your phone. See, I can't do the phone stuff because I, I, I'm like, my mind goes from one thing to the other. If I'm on phone, then I'm on checking this, and then I'm checking this, and then I'm checking this, and I'm checking this. And I'm like, uh-uh, I just need the, the Word. I just need the book. That way I'm in the book. I'm not, I'm not jumping to Facebook. I'm not jumping to Twitter. I'm not jumping to Instagram. I'm not jumping to any fantasy football. I'm not jumping to anything else, but I'm in the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 4, church, hear this. In Matthew chapter 4, when Satan came to tempt Jesus, guess what he tried to use against Jesus? <laughs> Dumb old boy. He tried to use the word against Jesus. Well, guess what? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Satan said to Jesus, yes, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written. He'll command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will, they, they will lift you up and they will not strike your foot against the stone. And I want you to watch what Jesus says. Jesus says, well, on the other hand, it's written, you shall not put the Lord God to the test. What? See, Satan wants you to sin. Did you all know that? And Satan is willing to manipulate the Word of God to get you to be sinful. So how do we know the truth? Well, you got to stay in the what? 
You've got to stay in the Word. Psalm 119, verse 11, the Bible says, Your Word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against, that I may not sin against you. Satan loves to plant seeds of doubt just like he did with Eve in the garden. He loves to whisper in your ear, Did God really say that? He loves to whisper in your ear, If God really loves you, you wouldn't be going through this. He loves to whisper in your ear, well, if somebody hurts you, remember, an eye for an, an eye. But Satan only whispers what Satan wants you to, to hear. He doesn't say, well, the Bible says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. He doesn't say that knowing in the testing of your faith is going to produce endurance. He doesn't say, if you don't forgive others, then the Lord won't forgive you. But guess who does say that? Jesus. Jesus does say that. Church, I'm going to tell you something this morning. The Word of God is not new to Satan. It's not new to him. Matter of fact, Satan has seen the Word come to fruition. And he knows the Word better than any human that's coming or going. He knows the Word. And this is why you and I have to stay in the Word. Number six is this. Resist the enemy by controlling your actions. Well, this is a tough one. This is a tough one this morning. LSU got beat last night, and Austin's like, brother, I had to check my heart. Well, Kentucky won yesterday, and I was jumping out of my shoes. Amen. But th th this is a big one for, for all of us this morning because how many times have your actions gotten out of control because of anger, because of frustration, because of bad influences? How many times have your actions not reflected who you are in Christ Jesus and then you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. I cannot believe that I said that. That's not who I am. And men, we struggle with this, do we not? We, we struggle with this because we like to take action and then think later. This is who we are. But what does the Bible say about our actions? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about our actions. Ephesians 4, the Bible says, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. The one who steals must no longer steal, but rather he must labor, producing with his own hands what is good so that he'll have something to share with the one who has need. Oh, we're not done. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that, so that it will bring grace to those who hear. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander must be removed from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. And you're thinking to yourself, Brother Donnie, I can't do all that by myself. You're absolutely right. This is why you've got to be saved. This is why you've got to have Jesus. This is why you've got to have the Holy Spirit in your heart. Because you can't do it all by yourself. You know, I have preached the following to myself and to my family, even from this pulpit. I cannot control how someone treats me. I can't. 
I cannot control how you all treat me. I cannot control what you all say of me. I cannot control, uh, uh, you know, conversations behind my back, whether if it's good or whether if it's, uh, if it's slander or whatever it may be. I, I can't control any of these things, but you know what I can't control? I can't control how I treat you. I can't control how you treat me. But I can't control how I treat you. Amen. And this is what I have preached in my home and to my kids for years. Can't control how others treat us. But we can control how we treat others. And listen, anger can come at us in an array of avenues, can it not, from disappointments. Loss of opportunities, financial disappointments, relationship disappointments, church life disappointments, family disappointments, if U of K, if U of L, if LFU loses, job disappointments, and especially when we feel like our children have been attacked or being attacked. These are all things that ruffle our feathers. But we must trust God. And we must be able to control our actions. And number seven is this. Resist the enemy through worship. Resist the enemy through worship. You're here today to worship God. Amen. When Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the desert, listen to his words. He said, the scripture says again, the devil took him to a high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, he said, all of these things that I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. The devil wanted Jesus to worship him. And Jesus said to the devil, he said, Go, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know, when you and I enter into worship, the Holy Spirit rejoices with the connection not only to the Lord, with the connection, though, with each other. When we enter worship, there's an overwhelming sense of honesty and peace that overcomes us because we know we were created to worship and serve God. When we enter worship and we sing, we pray, we listen to the sermon. The Holy Spirit convicts us. And when we're out of God's will, we will have an honest chance of doing a spiritual evaluation with ourselves. Martin Luther had a dream in which he stood on the day of judgment before God and Satan was there to accuse him. And when Satan opened his little book of false accusations and truthful accusations, he pointed to the transgression after transgression after transgression that Luther was actually guilty of. As the proceedings went on, Luther's heart began to sink and it began to sink and it began to sink. And then he remembered the cross of Jesus and turning to Satan, he said these words. He said, there is one entry in which you have not made in your book, Satan. Satan said, what is that? And Luther answered, is this, Christ has already died for my sins. He died for my sins. You came today to worship because Christ has died for your sins. Amen. He had victory over the grave. And the Bible says if you're in Christ, you have victory as well. Satan is always going to accuse. He is always going to scheme. But guess what? You and I can always worship and be thankful for Jesus and for what he has done for us. This is why worship is so important. 
This is so, why it's so vital to who you are in Christ. Christ didn't tell us to try and outthink the devil, but the scripture tells us stand firm in your faith, trust in God, put on the full armor of God so you can resist the evil day. So brothers and sisters, my question to you this morning is this. How firm is your faith? How firm is your faith? The scripture doesn't say resisting the devil is going to be easy, but the scripture does tell us, he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Are we taking action? Recognizing the schemes of the devil, it's important, but can I tell you something also this morning? Recognizing our weaknesses is also necessary. Because I can say this, what may tempt you may not tempt me and what tempts me may not tempt you i pray this morning that we're going to come i pray this morning that you're going to come and that you're going to pray for strength christian because here's the thing the devil knows he can't have your soul but if the devil can make your life miserable if he can make you miserable then he wins and if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, if you're here this morning and you have never prayed and given your life to Jesus Christ, first of all, I would ask you why. And second of all, I would ask you this. How in the world are you ever going to fight this spiritual battle on your own? Life is hard. Life is a struggle sometimes. I don't know how people today are doing life without the Lord, and without a church home. I don't know. And so this morning, maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need a church home. Maybe you need to come and pray about where God wants you to be. Maybe you need to come and pray about becoming a member here at our church. Maybe you just need to come and pray this morning about strength, because I can promise you this, church. I can promise you this. When you leave these doors today, and you go out into this world, he won't wait to attack because he's on the prowl. And the Bible says he will devour you if he's given the chance. You need to pray protection about yourself, and you need to pray protection for your family. Amen. And so this morning as Billy comes and we have this invitation, this is your opportunity. Are you ready to resist the devil? What's on your heart this morning, church? As we sing, will you stand?